You're listening to the Brand Builders Lab, episode 93. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to leave that in, hey, shall I? Welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. We're learning how to create an epic brand, find the right marketing strategies, and building your business is a constant evolution, classroom, and lab. Each week, we'll be diving into all things brand and marketing with special guests and solo episodes to help you build your business brand and big idea. Welcome back to the podcast. It is awesome to have you here. I hope that you are well. I hope that life is good. And I hope that you are kicking 2020 off because really like January was a practice round. February is like the real thing now, right? That's that's how I'm playing it. So you can totally go along with that if that works for you, which is all good. But I'm so glad that you're here with me today. If you listened to last week's episode, you know that I'm testing, testing, testing. So this is going to be the second podcast episode in one week, which I don't normally do, but we're going to give it a go. And today's episode is with one of my favorite biz people. Tara McMullen, I have followed for the last five years, I would say. Uh, When I started my business, I did some of her courses in Creative Live, which I loved. And I've just really watched her journey. And I've watched her be an expert, then try and not be an expert, which we're going to talk about, uh, and just pivot and change her business. And she is the host of the What Works podcast as well as the What Works community. And she's just super honest and she's transparent and she talks about what works and what doesn't work. And I just love it. And I'm just all about sharing with you the journey. It's not about, you know, me having all the answers. It's about me sharing with you, like Tara, what's worked for me and what hasn't worked for me and hopefully sharing with you what my guests have loved to do and and what else they've learned along the way. So if you're listening to this podcast in real time, then Brand Builders Academy is closing tomorrow, which is the 7th of February 2020 at 5 p.m., Australian Eastern Standard Time doors will close for this live round coming up. So if you do want to jump in, now is the time. If you want to get more confident to build a brand and a business that does what you want it to do and scale in a way that works where you're not trading hours for dollars, then I would love you to come and join me in Brand Builders Academy. It's my favorite place to be. So all you have to do is go to theconnectionexchange.com forward slash BBA and come and say hi and join up. But without further ado, let's dive into this week's amazing podcast episode. Tara McMillan, welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. Well, thanks so much for having me. Uh, I'm super excited. I am kind of fangirling right now. I'm sure you get that all the time. And we were just joking that it's like 5.30 your time and I'm bouncing off the walls at 9.30 a.m. here. So, you know, I might be a bit more excited. I am going to channel all that excitement (laughs) into my own time and place in the world and make it happen. Oh, so good. So good. So now I have followed you for so long. You have been one of my online mentors for, I reckon, at least five years since I sort of started my business. So... 
Um, so I am super excited to have you here. I bought some of your creative live classes. Mm. Like how long ago was that? That you were doing that? I started doing Creative Live in 2013. So wow. I started seven years ago. Yeah. Wow. Well, I think that when I started my business in like maybe 2014, 2015, I bought a whole lot of the courses that, uh, that you had. And I think maybe that's how I discovered you, but they were so good. They're still so good. Yeah. Thank you. I just got served an ad for one of my own classes on there the other day. And I was like, that is a surreal experience. It happens every so often, but it is not something you're expecting while you're scro you know, scrolling through Instagram. That's so funny. Yeah. Sometimes when I do like my Google ads uh, during launch periods, my kids are like, mom, you're on the computer. Are you famous? I'm like, no, sweetheart. Just to you, I am. <laughs> right. Yeah. My kid thinks I'm famous too, because I'm on YouTube and I have a podcast and you know, that's like, oh my goodness, everything she's ever wanted from her life. <laughs> I know. I know. My kids are kind of like wanting to get on YouTube as well. I'm like, no chance, no, no. chance. Maybe no. one day, one day when you've got something to say, it's all yeah. <laughs> Oh, very good. That's awesome. So how has 2020 started for you? How's the new and year been? 2020 has started with a bang. Um, I launched, launched a second company with my husband uh, in Q, end of Q3 of last year. And so we have just been going gangbusters with both businesses and just really hitting the ground running. And it has been awesome. Uh, but yeah, the, by the end of the day, as we are right now, I am tired and my brain is full. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's been an awesome start to the year, uh, but it has definitely been a very full start to the year as well. Amazing. And so give us a little bit about that. So is it a podcast production company? Correct. Yes. It's a podcast production agency called Yellow House Media. Uh, and we're specializing in start to finish production. So everything from helping people get a show off the ground or taking over a show uh, that they've been producing, uh, helping them do content strategy, really thinking through how to make the show as useful to their business and effective for their business as possible. Um, taking on all of the admin and project management pieces, obviously taking on the editing, taking on some of the promotional pieces. Um, and just really having a very hands-on, very client-focused, process-driven um, agency for podcasting. And it's been, after you know, years and years in the digital products world, it has been really fascinating to dip my toes back into client services. Um, and I'm definitely approaching it completely differently than I would have even five years ago. Um, and so it's, it's been really eye-opening. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, I cannot wait to see even where we can take it just in this, this first year. Amazing. What made you go in that direction? Well, um, he was looking for something to do. Um, he'd been kind of, well, yeah. <laughs> that's just like, my hubby was bored, so we started. Yeah, no, I'm joking. <laughs> basically, that is, that is basically true. Um, you know, I had, we, we moved uh, from the West Coast of the United States to the East Coast of the United States four years ago, and so he um, quit his job out there to, to move with me here. Um, and so he'd been kind of dabbling in a bunch of things for a while and it was kind of like, all right, I think it's time to, to get something a little more solid, a little more structured underway. And, um, at the same time that we were kind of talking that through and brainstorming that 
I was really noticing just a huge gaping hole in the market, which is that all of the podcasters I knew uh, were outsourcing pieces of their podcast production, but no one was using, there, there were no solutions for that start to finish kind of uh, option. Yeah. So what was happening is that people were um, having to do a lot of the admin and project management themselves while outsourcing sort of the more technical components of it. And I was like, well, we can do all of that at once so that people don't have to worry about the project management. They can just show up and make content. Um, and I also didn't see anyone doing anything on the content strategy side. They were either just kind of you know, playing it as they went and kind of flying by the seat of their pants, or they were pulling uh, content strategy from YouTube or from blogging or from email, things that they had done before that seemed to work and trying to apply it to podcasting. And, you know, I've been podcasting for four and a half years now. And so I tried all those things. I've seen what worked. I've seen what didn't. I've gotten a really good feel for audio as a medium for communicating with people and teaching things and telling stories. Uh, and so I wanted to bring, I, I could see an opportunity for that kind of strategic expertise in the market as well. And so we thought, you know, let's just package that all together and see what happens. I thought it was going to take off kind of slow at the beginning. Like I knew there was a need for it. I knew we weren't going to have a problem finding clients, but I had no idea what kind of demand there was going to be for it. So, you know, we launched basically at the beginning of September, we could, kind of did a soft launch in August, but launched in September with full service um, podcasting packages. And by end of November, early December, we were at complete capacity. Um, so now we're looking at how do we expand capacity? We're, we had to move our timeline up on hiring like, whoa. <laughs> Amazing. And, yeah. And so we're completely full there. And it really is like, I'm, I'm basically splitting my time and I, I think probably I work really fast. And so this is yeah. not, a, not a humble brag, but it sounds like a humble brag. I'm basically working two full-time jobs yeah. in, you know, 40, 45 hours a week. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been a full start to the year, but it's been really great. Yeah. Amazing. Well, congratulations on the Thank success you. of that. I think that that's awesome. And you did sort of say, you know, we, you have been doing it for sort of four years and you already know what works. And I love the fact that that's what your podcast is called <laughs> yeah. as well. It's very convenient. <laughs> which I do love. You know, and you do talk about living for honest conversations that create space for novel ideas. Um, and you do talk about what works. And I think that's something that I love about you. Like this podcast is called Brand Builders Lab because mm -hmm. I believe that we're always in testing, trying, seeing what happens mode because the market is just changing all the time. That the minute you kind of go, oh yeah, I've totally got this sorted, then things change and you've got to work yep. it out again. So I also love that you talk about being a recovering expert. So what have been the stages that you've gone through in your journey along the way? Because I love yeah. that. Like I was, you know, I didn't want to really say I was an expert. I said I was an expert, but I'm still like working through not being an expert. So yeah, I'd love to know the journey. Yeah. So that's a phenomenal question. Um, when I started, so I started uh, over 11 years ago now, I started as a blogger. And so a lot of my process at that time and the way I was showing up, the brand, the personal brand that I was building was as someone who was working these things out, paying attention, and then sharing what I was learning 
uh, the way a lot of people start out. And it's a phenomenal way to yeah. start out. You know, sharing your learning journey is just, it, it's such a great way to connect with people and communicate with people and to start building your personal brand and saying, this is what I'm interested in. This is what I'm learning uh, as my specialty, as my skill. And so that's really where I started. Um, and in that process, I started to notice that I was, that my skills and my awareness and what I was paying attention to were starting to quickly outpace my audience. And when that happens, you're no longer just the student sharing your learning journey, now you are someone who people go to to learn from. You're someone who is thought of as an expert, who is thought of as a teacher, a trainer, uh, or a coach. And so that was sort of the next step in my journey was starting to really own the fact that I had something to teach, something to share, and that people could really benefit from coaching with me as well, that I could uh, have conversations with people where we could uh, move their ideas forward. We could rewrite stories. We could bust through assumptions, um, and we could apply strategy and tactics all along the way. And so that was that was sort of the meat of my journey, I would say. And throughout that, I mean, there were other little steps where. I really moved further and further away from the coach or consultant role and much more into the expert role and the and the trainer role. So, you know, you mentioned Creative Live at the beginning. You know, when I'm on the Creative Live stage, I'm very much a teacher and trainer and expert that people are looking to for answers. Um, and that's great. And I love teaching. I and I love sharing what I know. And um I also have a real passion for people learning from each other because I can't ever have all the answers. And like you said, the market's always changing. And as much as I might be paying attention, there's things I miss, right? Because no one, no one has all of the answers. And so I started to notice that that passion for having people connect with each other uh, and having people really share what was working for them and and kind of highlighting that um, peer-to-peer learning style was starting to become in conflict with the way my brand was being represented, the way people were interacting with my brand, um, and because people were looking to me as the person with the answer. And so that started to really feel out of alignment and out of integrity. And I didn't want to capitalize on a reputation that I didn't actually believe in. Uh, because for as much as I know, and as much experience as I have, and as much as I'm paying attention, I am not actually an expert. I'm not the person with all the answers. And I don't, I don't want to sell something based on the premise that I am. Okay. So that's when I, that's kind of what led to this latest uh, understanding of how I want to show up and how I want to lead. And so it was a matter of sort of shedding that expert uh, brand piece and the teacher and trainer piece and even the coach and consultant piece and step fully into being a community leader and a community builder. Uh, and so in the last three years, that's really been the work that I've been doing. And it's you see it on the podcast, you see it in our community, you see it in uh, even our higher end programs like the masterminds that we put on. There's no 
uh, hierarchical learning happening in those programs. There's not me saying, this is how you do this, this is how you do this. There's no resource library in our community. There's no modules for people to go through. It's all about facilitating conversation and get pe getting people to be vulnerable with what they share, getting people to be transparent with what they share, um, and just having really honest conversations about what's working, what's not, how we're thinking about it, how we're approaching it, and me being as much a member of that community as I am a leader. Um, and so that's been a real that's been a real learning journey for me too, figuring yeah. out how to show up that way and figuring out how uh, other people do or do not see that as valuable and really be learning to be okay with some people saying, you know, that's not for me. I, I want someone to tell me what the answers are. And me saying, cool, this isn't for you. I'm not for you. Um, but I really, really, um, it's, it's been so fulfilling stepping into that new understanding of who I can be within my business and within the, the community that I lead and the, and the audience, you know, that we're constantly trying to grow. Awesome. And so do you feel like that format still sits within the mastermind that you've created as well, where they're all learning from each other rather than, which I think happens anyway, but rather yep. than you kind of being the teacher or the leader in that? Yes, absolutely. So it's actually something that it's something we put on our sales page. It's something we put on our welcome materials. It's something that I start off sessions with, you know, reminding people that I am not here to tell people what to do and also reminding them that they're also not here to tell people what to yeah. do. Um, I'll get to that in a second. But, I, you know, I explain on a regular basis, my role is as a facilitator. I am here to help you speak, talk to each other and learn from each other. And I'm here as a seat at the table. So in all of the masterminds we lead, it's not like I don't share what I know. It's not like I don't share my experience, yeah. but I do it from a place of here's what I've done in the past. Here's how I'm doing it now. Here's how we work it with clients in our other company. Here's what I've seen in the market. Instead of saying you should do this or you should do that. Um, in fact, both in our masterminds and in our community, we have a no advice policy. So we ask people uh, nicely to not should all over each other, yeah. right? So don't tell people what they should do. You can speak from your experience, you can speak from your expertise, or you can ex uh, speak from your observation, but you can't tell people what to do. And because of that, the culture that we have inside of the What Works community and all of the masterminds we run is one of a lot of mutual respect, a lot of uh, openness and honesty, and just people willing to share things that they would never share in a platform where they thought they were going to get uh, loads of unsolicited advice. Yeah. And I was listening to a podcast that you had recently where you got somebody else to interview you, mm -hmm. which I love. <laughs> I think I listened to it twice, actually. Oh, wow. I, will, I can't remember what um, episode it was, but I will find it and I'll put it in the show notes so that I would re highly recommend you go listen to it. Um, and it was uh, somebody, well, they were just saying, do you find it easy for you to bring your questions or not issues, but the things you need help with to the table, which you sort of said, that's something that you're still working on. And I have to be honest, I do struggle a little bit with that as well. Uh, I've got a couple of very trusted business friends where we share a lot uh, very openly. 
but yeah, I think that it is that element of kind of being a leader and I'm very open that I'm constantly learning. I don't know at all, but I think, yeah, when you've kind of got your group to kind of go, so I need help with this is a difficult thing to kind of put out there. So how are you finding that? Is that still something or? Yeah. So since I originally, so that interview aired in October, but we did it, I think in July. So it was before we had launched Yellow House Media. And so one thing that's been really fascinating about launching the second company is that I feel more like a member of my own community now than ever before. I have zero problem posting in what in the What Works Network. Uh, guys, we have a serious client communication problem. Like, what are you using to communicate with your clients all in one place, right? Like, yeah. I have ze- that, that is a literal thing that I posted back in December, you know, yeah. and, and had a bunch of other service-based businesses say, here's how we do it. Here's how we used to do it. Here's why it didn't work. Here's how we do it now so helpful. And so, you know, now I can go and apply all of those things. Um, One thing that's been nice too with that is with Yellow House Media, it's so much more representative of our average members type of business. We have a lot of service-based businesses uh, in our membership. So my questions are really helpful to them. And I know that my questions are really helpful for them. If I were to go in there and ask questions about Um, you know, things that we're thinking about in terms of our community or working with our team on the community side, it it has much more of a potential to influence people in a way that I don't think is helpful for them. So, um, you know, because I am still a leader, I am still an influencer, I am still somebody uh, people look to for like, oh, well, if Tara's doing it, then maybe that's something that I should do too. Um, and mostly I want people to know they should not try to run a business <laughs> like what works. Um, and so I try to, while I, well, I certainly will talk about how we do things and why we do things the way we do. Um, I'm less likely to talk about the inner workings of what works inside the what works network. Um, and much more likely to talk about the inner workings of yellow house media, both the, both the successes and the warts and the failures and the oopsies. Um, and so I'm, I'm fine with that openness, but it's been interesting now to have a lens through which that openness is truly helpful to our community and a lens where I don't have to feel like the expert because I'm not. This is not the kind of business that I'm an expert in, although I have learned in this process, I'm actually pretty good at it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's so good. And the other thing I wanted to talk about, which I feel really links in so well to this, was around imposter syndrome and comparison. Because Mm. I'm all about building bold brands. I always say, if you really want to like stay in the shadows or you don't really want to stand out, then I'm not the person for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I feel like uh, imposter syndrome and comparisonitis are two of the really big things that hold a lot of my clients, my audience, my listeners, my community back because they don't feel like they're an expert enough Mm -hmm. or they know enough. Uh, and then they're comparing themselves to others. So firstly, is that something that you've had to deal with? And now moving into this new phase of business and your mindset around the fact that, yeah, I know a lot, but I'm still working this out. Does that sort of, I guess, combat the imposter syndrome and comparisonitis thing? 
Yeah. So I have definitely dealt with imposter complex uh, in my life and in my work. Um, and I've definitely done a lot of work around that. Um, I would say comparisonitis is probably like way my biggest problem. <laughs> um, I am an overachiever. I am extremely goal oriented. I am an Enneagram three. Like if someone else has achieved something, what that tells me is that my work is not done until I have also achieved that. Right. Um, it's I'm like, it's about. like, I'm just looking in a mirror. Yeah. <laughs> I, I work on that literally every day that yeah. just because someone has, else has accomplished something does not mean it needs to go on my to-do list. Right. So I definitely deal with that. And I actually believe a lot in looking at other people and, and, you know, as a community builder and as someone who says, let's talk about what we're doing in our businesses. I think it's really important for me to be comfortable looking at what other people are doing. That's part of my job. I mean, it's, I interview people every week, just like you do on what they're doing, how they're doing it. And if I were constantly being laid out by comparisonitis, I'd have a serious problem because yeah, I, I mean, I, I want to talk to people who are just as successful or more successful than I am. That's kind of the point of the show, right? So um, anyhow, I digress imposter complex. Um, my friend Tanya Geisler is a, a real expert in the imposter complex. And one of the things that she talks about um, as a sort of reaction uh, or a symptom of imposter complex is diminishment. Um, and diminishment is, you know, just constantly saying, or, you know, saying to yourself, saying to others, oh, you know, I did, I did that, but it's, it's, you know, it's not that big a deal, or I'm not really that smart, or I'm not really that good at that, these things. And that's definitely probably the piece of imposter complex that I struggle the most with. Um, so even doing an interview like this, like I have to remind myself that Tara, it's okay if you brag about being good at something or saying, yeah, I did this and it was awesome because that's kind of the point of the interview. And it's yeah. kind of what, you know, it's why you're here and it's why people are listening. They want to hear how you did that. Um, and diminishment doesn't serve anyone. It doesn't serve me and it doesn't serve you or your listeners. Um, so there's, there's that piece. Um, and then I think kind of the, the point of the journey, I think where I'm at with imposter complex and comparisonitis is recognizing that me sharing something that feels vulnerable, me sharing something that is, um, that feels like, oh God, if I share this, people are going to think that I'm not good enough. They're going to think I'm a fraud. They're going to think I'm not as successful as I, as I want them to think I am. Um, that, that being willing to share that is, like that's, that's the bar for actually creating community and creating relationships and connection and getting other people to share. And so in this last year, I have really, really worked on getting okay with and even leaning into sharing what's hard for me and sharing what I'm working on and not saying, oh, I worked on this and now I have it figured out. But literally, this guys, this is something I'm struggling with every day. And I thought you might be struggling with it too. And so I just wanted to let you know, I am also struggling with it. There's no answer. There's no solution. There's no, uh, there's no next step. It's just, this is where I'm at right now. I mean, we can talk about it, but this is where I'm at. Um, and, and what's been the response? Oh my God. Like, <laughs> um, 
just completely new levels of relationship with people and connection with people, um, floods of comments, floods of email response. Like it doesn't matter where I share it. There's a flood of responses back. Um, last April I shared how I owed taxes or I didn't owe taxes for the first time in 10 years because I'd actually made less money the year previous and I was getting a refund and holy crap, that was really weird, but also hard to share. And I can't tell you how many people said, one, I respect you for sharing that. And two, last year was hard on me too, or two years ago was hard on me and I bounced back and you'll bounce back too. Um, you know, uh, what else have I shared? Uh, just, oh, like just so many random things. I've just really gotten in the habit of if I'm processing something, if I'm trying to work on something, that to do that publicly, because the more I do it publicly, the more other people are willing to do that same thing, whether it's in our community, in a mastermind group, or on my Instagram feed. Um, and there's, sorry, I don't mean to digress on this, but this is like None so important to me. Um, there's this book called uh, The Art of Gathering by Priya Parker. Um, and this book has been just kind of super transformational for me in how I think of myself as a leader and how I think of building community and kind of building gatherings, in my case, digital gatherings. And she's talking more about actual like parties and events and, and meetings and things. But at one point in the book, she talks about how um, a mentor of hers told her that uh, his job at the beginning of every meeting or event was to share a story that was a few steps further than where he wanted the rest of the sharing to go. Because he knew that as the leader, if he didn't set that example, no one else would feel safe enough to do it. And and they were never going to match his level of vulnerability. So he needed to be willing to go a few steps further so that people could come close to meeting him where he was at, to come close enough with what they were willing to share in, in that time so that it was really productive. And so I've really taken that lesson to heart, whether, again, whether it's in our community, in our mastermind, on my Instagram, wherever I'm sharing, I want to make sure that I'm open to a level that invites people in with me uh, into the deep end of the pool, which is the example that they use in the book. <laughs> um, and it's that that has been that has completely changed the way I show up in meetings and events and just in our community as a whole on the podcast. Um, and I've seen it change the way other people show up so that every meeting we have, every conversation we have is that much more helpful. Mm. And do you feel like through the iterations of your business, you've changed your community? Do you feel like who you're attracting and what you're attracting has changed over time from sort of going from the expert now to the community leader? Or is it a different audience and a different conversation? Well, it's a different conversation, obviously. Yeah. I mean, funny enough, it really hasn't changed. Um, there was there was a period right at the beginning of my business where I was, I originally started blogging around uh, physical products. So I was mm. talking mostly to makers and artists and illustrators and designers. Um, and 
I stopped talking about that because it wasn't something, it wasn't the kind of business I was ever going to build. Um, and I became really interested in digital products-based businesses and service-based businesses. And so I, I made that pivot very early on. But ever since then, my audience has really not changed. The people who show up haven't changed. Um, I've certainly seen people you know, we, we attract all different kinds, all different levels, quote unquote, different levels. So if you're thinking, whether it's revenue or years of experience or um, just even the types of business models that we have, but it's kind of always been that way. It's always been a diverse audience of people who are looking to be in conversation with diverse audiences. Um, and I wouldn't want that to change. And it, it really hasn't it, but it has been a process of learning how to explain the changes that I'm going through and the changes the business is going through and the changes that we're making to how we help people. But always, always, always saying, this is why we're doing what we're doing. This is why we're making the changes that we're making. And that's not to say that we haven't lost people along the way or that they've said, yeah, this isn't for me anymore. But the, I would say the kind of people who are showing up really haven't changed in, in a good seven, eight years. That's amazing. Because obviously now, even when you're sort of talking about vulnerability or you're talking about the things that you're finding challenging, it's just interesting that these people have seen you, a lot of them potentially over the last sort of, you know, seven, eight, 10 years and the evolution that you've gone through, which I'm sure is, um, yeah, super interesting for them to watch that journey as well. Yeah. I was having a conversation this week um, with a woman in one of our mastermind groups who was concerned about leaving people behind in her community. And I told her that one of the things that I've realized about that, because I've certainly had those complaints or, you know, the complaints where people say, oh, you know, you've changed or you don't get me anymore. Tara, you've um, changed. I know. <laughs> um, but one of the things that I've recognized is that as, as experts and as leaders, we're very quick to share the how-to of what we're doing, right? We share all of the external pieces. This is how I'm doing what I'm doing. What we don't share is the internal struggle that goes along with it. We don't share the stories that we're rewriting. We don't share the assumptions that we're busting through. We don't share those moments of self-sabotage, those moments of questioning ourselves, those moments where we say, I don't know if I'm good enough to do this. Um, and that one thing I have learned is when I do share that internal struggle, everyone's willing to come along with me. If I skip that, that's when people feel left behind. Um, if I share that internal struggle and I'm sharing things that, you know, maybe people, maybe people aren't ready for yet. Maybe they, they are kind of further, uh, you know, toward the beginning of their journey they still can say, thank you for blazing a trail for me, or thank you for providing a sort of a, a bread, you know, the breadcrumbs that I can follow. I'm not there yet, but I appreciate you sharing your story. And it's, it's a subtle difference. Um, but I think the result of it is really, um, incredibly different. 
I think it be, it's because you're then seen like if we don't share that, then it's a little bit untouchable. It's like, yes, oh, there's exactly. perfection and she's got it all sorted and she's, there's no issues there. Last week um, or a few weeks ago on the podcast, I had uh, listeners submit questions and I just answered questions. Uh, and one of them was, I know that you're going to be doing big things. How do you deal with that? And I did talk about the stories and, you know, really digging deep into like, why am I not willing to do what I want to do or why am I holding back and that um, and the feedback on that was amazing and I don't always share that which is you know so true so I think that that is something I will be taking away a little bit more from this <laughs> podcast from you is to share that internal because I feel like I go through it and I think about it but I don't really always think about sharing that right and I think that that's an important thing as well um, and so last year I learned a really big lesson which you probably learned a long time ago but <laughs> This is going to be old news for you, but it was new for me, uh, which, was, which was to really focus on the one thing. I just had like oh, yeah. 10, 10 things going on and, and they were all kind of doing well here and there, but like nothing, I had just had no energy or space mm-hmm. or capacity to do any one thing really well. Uh, and so sort of in July last year, I basically culled like 80% of my business and saw the other two or three things just kind of soar. What has been one, this is going to be probably a hard question. What is one thing that you kind of go, that was one of my biggest lessons in business that I have just kind of, you know, kept listening to even as I grow and I change? Like, is there anything that was kind of a bit of a, a lightning bolt moment for you at any time? I mean, I don't mean to copy you, but it is exactly (laughs) that same lesson. Seriously. I can remember putting together a million dollar plan for a coach I was working with uh, at the time. This was many years ago. And this plan had uh, 10, 12 different offers on it. I don't know why she, she, I think she did gently say this, but I think she could have probably said it a little more harshly. She should have told me, Tara, what the hell are you thinking? <laughs> a mess and you need to go back to the drawing board. Um, and honestly, I think that, that moment was, was a real inflection point in my business because I didn't go back to the drawing board. I tried to make it happen and it failed miserably. Yeah. Um, and yeah, focusing on one thing. And now I, t- I talk about it um, in terms of steadfast commitment. Now, this is, I turned 37 in September and I said, this is my year of steadfast commitment. If I am not willing to fully and outrightly go all in on something, I'm not doing it. It's, it's not worth it. It's too much of a distraction. Um, and so now I, I look at everything in terms of that idea of steadfast commitment. What am I steadfastly committed to today? Um, what am I willing to go all in on? And so over the, the last couple of years, it's been going all in on our podcast and going all in on our community. This year, it's going all in on our masterminds. Um, so we've been running masterminds for years and years, but they've always been kind of off to the side. Like they're a thing that we do. They're a thing that I enjoy. I always enjoy them. 
but they've just been over there to the side. This year we've put them front and center uh, and they're already going so much better than they've ever gone before. It's so amazing. I was about to say, amazing what happens when you put things front and center. Uh, yeah. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then with the podcast business, because I know what people are thinking. They're like, Tara, that sounds still like a lot of things. But trust me, it is very, it is as... Um, because so with what works, everything revolves around the same value proposition. So even if that value proposition is expressed in a couple of different ways, the, the commitment is to that value proposition and to the structure uh, that we build to deliver on that value proposition. Um, and so, and, and we've spent time building out each of the pieces of it. With the podcast production agency, um, we originally thought we were going to do sort of a mix of production and some strategy work with clients. Um, and we've realized that really we need to go all in on production. That's what people are showing up for. That's what they want. And, and that's where the money is. So that's great too. Um, we are going to build something else out with that later in the year, but um, mostly, yeah, we're just, we are committed to that one thing. And when I'm committed to that one thing, not only do I make more money, but I feel so much better. I know yes. what I'm supposed to be doing on a day-to-day -day basis. doesn't mean my agenda is not full to brimming. It always is. But I know that each task on that list is moving me closer to my goal. It's moving the business forward and it's productive. It's all productive work. I think that when we're scattered and we've got, you know, a hundred different things going on, a lot of that work is, it, it may not look like busy work on paper, but when it comes to actual results, it's busy work. And I don't do busy work. I don't do work that doesn't mean anything. I yeah. hate that. That's yeah. I'm not in school anymore. Thank you. I don't do that. I don't work for other people anymore. I don't do that. So yeah. I need to know that everything on my to-do list is moving things forward. And I think focusing on that one thing is the only way to do that. Love it. Awesome. Yay. <laughs> um, <laughs> just like seriously, last year I was just like, how did I not put two and two together? Like seriously. <laughs> and I think I'd even read the book, The One Thing, before I like mate, I'm just like, Suze, learn quicker, girl, learn quicker. Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes sense, right? You're like more products equals more money, more social media channels equals more followers, more opt-ins equals more newsletter subscribers, but it is the exact opposite of the truth. It's the yeah. exact opposite. It is, it is one of the biggest um, sort of logical fallacies in all of business. Yeah. And I actually, I just hired a social media person to help with some um, repurposing of content. And I said to her, I started the Brand Builders Lab uh, Instagram page last year because I saw somebody else that had a podcast page. Mm -hmm. And now I'm just like, why? Why did I do that? What? Like, it's just, that was such a mistake. Because it's just another distraction. Yep. It's another thing. But anyway, so um, yeah. So I would just love to ask you a question around building your brand and the strategy that you have for building your brand. Like, is that something that you, like, do you have planning sessions for your year? Do you sort of think about like, what are we going to do to build the brand? Or does it just kind of happen with everything that you've got going on? Like, is there, I guess, thought around that? Well, I mean, we do a lot of planning. I don't think our planning would fall under 
brand building so much, but then everything can fall under brand building, right? <laughs> so, um, so y- yes, um, we put a lot, I would say our brand building process and my brand building process has always been. So whether I'm talking about my personal brand or uh, the brand of yeah. our company uh, companies, um, it's very iterative. So I'm always looking for how do we make this better? How do we make this stronger? How do we um, make it clearer to people what we stand for, who we're for, what we're all about? Um, And so we do definitely do that on a planning level. We, you know, we think about what kind of content we're going to be putting out. We think about what kind of stories we want to tell. We think about how we want to involve our community in our brand building. Um, We think about how the way we represent our offers uh, plays into the brand as a whole. Um, And yes, it kind of, my planning happens on, I guess, three different levels. It happens on a, on a weekly basis where I'm, I'm checking in with myself and where the business is at, as well as having a meeting with my team every week. It happens on a quarterly basis um, where we're looking at the quarter's plans and like what all needs to happen in the next three months. And then it happens on an annual basis too. We don't really have separate meetings for all of those things, but we're certainly addressing how we're moving forward on each of those different levels and brand building certainly comes into play on all of those. Uh, but it is, it's rarely, what are we going to do new and more often, how are we going to enhance this? Yeah. Um, going back to, to what we were just talking about, right? Like we've learned how awful new can be <laughs> and, and we've learned, you know, we've learned that the more new things that we add in, uh, the crazier and more confusing things get. So, so yes, we're kind of looking at like, what's the next stage of this? What's the, how do we make this better? How do we enhance this? Um, and, and that is a very iterative, very cyclical process that kind of get plan- gets planned more organically. Does, yeah. it, does that answer the question? Okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I just always love to sort of know how people think about it. Like, I think that we do a lot of business strategy planning for the year. Like, what are we going to offer? What's it going to look like? A marketing plan, all the rest of it. It's just like, I also just think like, where, like, how do I want to position my brand this year? Is it different? Mm-hmm. Is it the same? Are we shifting? Are we moving? Are we positioned in the right place to attract the type of people that we want? Like those sorts of things, which I love to sort of see what businesses are doing. But um, so no, that definitely answered the question. Okay. That's great. Yeah, thank you. Um, and I'm just going to take a little bit of a turn now. Uh, and sure. I want to talk about money. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> One of the articles that you published, I think it was on Medium, was called Stop Trying to Charge What You're Worth. And it, I shared it everywhere. Like I was <laughs> like, oh my gosh. And I love this because I think that we are very much in a whole world of charge your worth, know your worth, all that sort of stuff. And this for me really spoke to me. So do you want to just give us a quick synopsis or snapshot of what that message was? And then I would love to know what made you write it? Yeah. Um, So like you said, I mean, we live in a culture that is constantly telling us to charge what we're worth, to know our worth. Um, And I don't agree with that. I think that's really 
bad business advice. Um, and I don't actually think that advice is geared to business owners. That advice is geared to freelancers. It's geared to uh, gig workers. It's geared to employees. And for those people, it's a little bit more valuable. I still think it's bad advice, but it's yeah. a little bit more applicable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For a business owner, if you are charging what you're worth, you're conflating yourself and the business. And this is like to get back to imposter complex. This is one of our biggest hangups as business owners is this conflation of those two things. I am not my business and I am very um, careful to talk about me and my business separately. Um, when I'm talking about me, I'm talking about me. When I'm talking about the business, I'm either saying the business, the company, or we. Um, and and I, I leave those things very separate. I want people to know that they're priceless. I want people to know that they have inherent value. As an Enneagram 3, this is a lesson I'm still learning myself, by the way. But... Um, <laughs> Um, I, I want people to own their value, own their worth based on the fact that they're a human being, right? Our work is not the measure of our value and we shouldn't price it as if it is. The work has its own value and it has a value in the market that is completely separate from our value as human beings. And the more we can see our work as separate from us, the more open we are to all the different kinds of ways we can price it. Um, because there are, there is like the, the, the full breadth of what you can charge in any industry for any kind of work is massive. Yeah. If you go looking for someone who's charging 10 times what you're charging, they're out there. You go looking for someone who's charging a tenth of what you're charging. They're out there. And there's, there are successful businesses at both ends um, of, of, of the market. And so I think the more, like I said, the more we separate what our work is worth from ourselves, the more open we are to actually checking those things out and saying, oh, someone else is getting 10 times, 100 times what I'm charging right now. What does it take to do that? What kind of clients do I need to go after? How do I need, you know, how do I need to position this work mm. so that I can charge that price if you want to? It, it creates a lot more flexibility than saying, well, I have to charge X because that's what I'm worth, right? Yeah. Um, so there's that. I also think that this idea of charging what you're worth, um, it there is a there's almost an operational component to it as well where if i'm worth x and i'm charging x then i can't hire someone else to do that same work and still charge x and i see this i see people do this all the time well you know i'm the senior consultant so i make i make this amount of money and i hired somebody junior to me they're doing the same work but i only charge y for them no, you charge X and you make a profit on that person's work. That's how business works. Yeah. So, so the, when you're charging what you're worth, you also have a capacity, an operational capacity problem as well, because you're not going to 
it, you're not going to be able to outsource that work. You're not going to be able to expand uh, by hiring other people. So um, to get to the last part of your, your question, sorry, that was a complete digression. Um, the reason I wrote the article was because I saw how much that advice was, was hurting people, uh, not just hurting them from a business perspective, but it was causing pain, right? People were trying to figure out, well, what am I worth? Yeah. And trying to put a price tag on it. And that's ridiculous. It is so much more objective than that. Pricing doesn't have to be this thing that you wring your hands about. It doesn't have to be an existential crisis. Pricing is a pretty simple formula of looking at the market, seeing what other people are charging, calculating your expenses, what you need to make per hour, and actually understanding what you what the market will bear in terms of that price and how your business model requires you to price your work. And when you do that, you can say, oh, I know exactly what I need to charge. Yeah. It's a commercial decision, not yes. a personal value exactly. decision. Yes. Very well put. <laughs> I talk about it all the time. I always credit you. I'm like, you've got to go read this article. We don't <laughs> charge what we worth. We are commercial. Yeah. Business yes. is commercial. Um, so I love that. And I would love to end on something that I have watched you evolve with over the last maybe couple of years. Um, and I've watched in amazement as I watch your Instagram videos of you climbing what seems like <laughs> upside down on rock climbing walls and all the rest of Sometimes it. Sometimes it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, how is she doing that? Um, but you've really been on a journey to get fit and strong and really focused on your health, which is something that I am really focused on this year, I recently read Atomic Habits, which has kind of changed my mm -hmm. whole thought process around the way I do things and the way that I make a commitment to myself um, and my dog, that <laughs> Bo, who I take for a walk. Help. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I just love to know what kind of spurred that on or what was, what was the you know, catalyst for that and what has your mindset shift been? from where you were to now. Oh man. <laughs> you have another <laughs> is that hour? Like, is that like a whole other episode? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm I will keep to yeah. the short version. Um, but I love talking about this. Yeah. So the, what's what initially inspired the change was I was at a low point uh, personally and business-wise where th you know things were going well. From the outside, I had a great life. I was making tons of money. I had a great business. And at the same time, I felt a ton of inner turmoil and I felt a ton of just kind of pointlessness. It was right after the 2016 election uh, here in the United States. So there was just a lot of that in the ether. Mm. Um, there are so many people I know, especially women my age, who made huge life changes um, in December 2016. <laughs> or wow. 2017. Yeah, it's... It, I think 10, 15 years from now, it'll be really interesting to see what my generation and, and specifically the women are doing because it's going to be incredible. Uh, it already is, but I, I digress again. Um, I looked around at the people who seemed, who I knew not just from the outside had it together, but people I had talked to, people I was friends with. And I started to look at like, what is different about their businesses? What is different about the way they approach life? Um, what is, what are they doing that I'm not doing? Why are they happier than I am? 
And one of the things that kept coming up was this habit of movement, this discipline of, of fitness. Not that, you know, not all of them were like athletes, but they were doing something to take care of themselves on a daily or weekly basis. Some of them were yogis. Some of them were CrossFitters. Some of them were runners. And I was like, Oh, okay. I don't want to do this, but I'm <laughs> going to do this. And I'm going to see what it feels like. I'm going to see what it feels like to start working this habit. So I did. I started with like 10 minutes before coffee on the treadmill every morning, just walking. Like I, cause I wasn't running at that point. Um, and then that felt good. And I started doing it a little bit more and a little bit more. And then I started running and then, uh, I, uh, took a trip out to Montana, which is one of my happy places. It's my favorite place on, on earth. Um, and had some outdoor experiences that made me think like, Ooh, I, I need to get even better at this so I can do more of this. Um, and then came back, started climbing, started weightlifting. And from there, not only did I develop this habit and the mindfulness around my habits, because I, I don't want to call it discipline, because I think we use discipline sort of in all the wrong mm. ways. Um, I, I developed discipline. I developed mindfulness and intention around my habits. It was a skill that I taught myself mm. in this process. Um, so I got all of that. And that really started to transform the way I approached my business as, as I thought that it would. That was sort of the hypothesis. But then I caught the bug. <laughs> I can see you caught the bug. <laughs> yeah. And so I went from like, this is fun on the average morning to, to like, how far can I take this? What all are my self-imposed limits? So like last year, um, I, you know, it was, I still remember the very first day I ran four miles straight and just realized like, oh, you just don't stop. Right. Like, cause to me running a mile straight was a flabbergasting, let alone four miles straight. So the last year I signed up for a half marathon and crushed my first half marathon. This Amazing. year, my plan is to do a marathon. Um, three years ago, I couldn't do, I had never done a single pull-up in my life. Today at the you know gym, I regularly do 30 to 40 pull-ups in, in a day, not all at once, but in a, <laughs> in a set, in a, in, a, in a workout, I will do a total of 30 to 40. Uh, the climbing thing, yeah, I don't know what's going on there, but I love it and I'm obsessed with it. And I just do it as much as I possibly can. Uh, but it has been, I have learned so much from getting fit, from getting back to being an athlete, to getting back to being a competitor. Uh, even if I'm just competing with myself, I've learned so much about running my business. I've learned so much about myself as a human being. Um, and I have absolutely achieved that level of happiness and fulfillment that I could see in other people. I've achieved it for myself. Um, and I would highly recommend doing, if not the same thing, something similar um, to anyone who is listening and wondering what the difference is as well. Amazing. Well, congratulations. That's Thank so cool you. to say. Because yeah, the, the woman I saw on Creative Live five years ago and the woman I see on Instagram now, I'm like, ah, oh. but I Very love different. it. <laughs> Very different. But it's, it's awesome. But I also think that just acknowledging that there is a lack of happiness or a lack, there's something lacking mm -hmm. and going and looking for what that is and making those changes, I think are huge. And I feel like last year was financially a good year for me, but I just felt like really crappy, like myself. 
um, not unhappy, but just not yeah. healthy. Um, yeah. so I'm just like, you know, something I kind of feel like, you know, I've got the happiness, I've got the, the business is going well. I need to like get the trifecta. I need to be yes. like healthy, happy and wealthy. I feel like, was that Marie Folio's thing? Hot, wealthy and happy or something. Rich, anyway. happy and hot. <laughs> that <was> was <laughs> I'm glad she dropped that by yeah. the way. <laughs> Oh, so good. So good. Tara, thank you so much for being on the Brownfields Love podcast. I have loved this conversation. I have also loved it. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. So where can people find you? I will have all your links um, on the show notes as well, but where should people be connecting with you and finding out more about you? Yeah. Well, if you're listening to this podcast, you should definitely open up the same podcast player and look for what works. That's the best place to find me. I'm there. Every week we drop a new episode. Um, you can also find the website for the podcast, our membership community, uh, the weekly newsletter that we put out at explorewhatworks.com. Uh, and then the place I show up on social most often is Instagram. And I'm at Tara underscore McMullen. Um, although I've been dabbling in Twitter again, too. And I <laughs> really love it. So you can find me there too. There I'm still Tara Gentili. So, uh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So good. Well, we will have all of that in the show notes. And once again, thank you so much. I know it's the end of your day. Um, and I so appreciate you coming on and I will be following as always and watching you climbing upside down on all those crazy (laughs) things. Yes. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Did you love that as much as I did? I don't know if you could hear it in my voice, but I absolutely was so happy having that conversation with Tara. Uh, I've watched her, like I said, for a long time. And I think for me, I really just love super relatable entrepreneurs out there. So I obviously I love Tara. I love Amy Porterfield. I love Marie. I love Rachel Hollis. Just real, like real people who can have real conversations uh, and are just goodies. Goodies is the word I'm going to use. So I hope that you enjoyed that podcast episode. That's two in one week, people. So I want your feedback. Did you enjoy the shorter format that I had earlier in the week? I did have some feedback from people were like, I just kind of wanted you for longer. (laughs) So so let me know because I'm just going to do it for February where I'm going to do more episodes and see what it does to my ranking, my followership, my listens, see what your feedback is and if you like it. If you're not sure what I'm talking about, then listen to last week's episode, which is episode 92, all about what I'm testing this year. Uh, which kind of goes well with, you know, what Tara does, which is what works. So testing what works Uh, and just let me know what you think. But thank you so much for hanging out. Just a reminder that Brand Builders Academy closes tomorrow, which is the 7th of February at 5 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Oh, so excited to get into this round, which starts on Monday. So if you want to build a bold brand, attract the clients that you really want and position your business in a way that helps you to scale, then this one's for you. Head to theconnectionexchange.com forward slash BBA and I hope to see you on the inside. But that is it for another week. Remember, if you want to come and join the conversation, then you can always come to my free Facebook group, which is Bold Women in Business. The link will be in the show notes as well or just head over to Facebook. You can follow me on all socials at Suze Chadwick. But thanks so much for listening. 
If you did enjoy this episode, then I would love you to leave a review so that others can find the podcast and come and hang out with us. Listen, the music in this podcast was created by Declan DP on SoundCloud. Until next time, have an awesome week and make sure you keep playing big and branding bold.